Please remain standing for our scripture reading this morning. As Christians, we are all about Jesus, and so every week we go to the scriptures because it's there that we believe that the person and work of Jesus is most clearly revealed. Our scripture this week is from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Brandon, uh, one of the pastors here at uh, Sojourn Heights. We're in a series that we're calling A Meaningful Presence, asking in a season like this, pandemic, racial tension, and injustice, what will be a divisive election season? What kind of presence should we have with one another and with our neighbors? The way we're approaching the series is that we're coming out of the book of Ephesians, looking at a series of one statements. So one God and Father, one Lord. This week, we're talking one faith. One faith. Faith, a relationship of trust, asking what kind of presence should our shared faith in Christ lead to? Let me begin like this. Uh, The question, why does the world exist, is an ancient and a modern question. And the answers have ranged from, you know, the angry gods to the big bang. Uh, But Michael Reeves, a theologian in a book on the Trinity, he he said this, he he painted this picture of Trinitarian love, love of the Father for the Son, Son for the Spirit, Spirit for the Father, just bubbling up together until it overflowed and brimmed over into creation, that creation is the overflow of the eternal love of God. And faith is the door into that world of love. And the text that we're looking at today is a prayer, a prayer from the Apostle Paul. And it's his prayer for you, his prayer for us. And so, uh, what we're going to do is ask this, what, what does Paul want us to know? What does Paul want you to know about that love? And I think there are three things. It's security, it's scope, and it's power. Security, scope, power. Let's talk security first. I'm going to pick it up in verse 14, but we'll zero in on verse 17. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you being rooted and grounded in love. What love? The love of Christ for you. Now, here's what's really interesting about this prayer from Paul. So, this is a prayer for Christians. 
It's a prayer for the church in Ephesus, the city that he was writing to. And his prayer is that for these people who Christ is already dwelling in their hearts, that Christ would dwell in their hearts. So when you become a Christian, Christ dwells in you, and now Paul, praying for people for whom Christ is already dwelling in their heart, prays that, that you be strengthened with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. What is the point here? That Paul is praying that these Christians in Ephesus, for you and for me, that we wouldn't simply understand the love of God, but that you would experience Christ's love for you. That this is an experiential prayer for the church in Ephesus. This is the, I want them to sense and know and live this. That you would experience Christ's love for you, and it happens through faith. Now, faith is one of, I think, the more misunderstood doctrines in the Bible. Often if you ask somebody, if I were to say, hey, how are you saved? How, how, how did you become a Christian? I, I'll get an answer like this, by faith. But that's actually not true. That's actually wrong. It's not by faith. It's by grace, through faith, in Christ. See, it's not faith that saves. It's the object of your faith that saves. And it's very important that you understand this, because if you don't, you, you will turn faith into a kind of work, something that you do to get God's love, not something you do because you have God's love. And what happens functionally is that often we, we live like this. We tie the quality of our faith to the quantity of God's love for us. So when my faith is strong, I mean really strong, like I'm secure, I'm confident, my trust level with God is off the radar. His love is really strong for me. But when my faith is weak, so is his love for me. But it's not the quality of your faith that determines God's love for you. It's the object of your faith that determines God's love for you. God doesn't love you more when you trust him more, and he doesn't love you less when you trust him less Having a relationship with God is not like being on a cosmic date, right? When you're dating someone, uh, you're always putting best foot forward, always thinking, if I can say this, do this, act this way, one day this person might love me. But it's not that way with God. It's not, I've got to do this, say this, and God will love me. It is a secure love that you have in Christ because we have a secure Savior. We are not on a cosmic date with God. And then you notice he gives two metaphors, two visuals, rooted, grounded, and love. Rooted, this was an agricultural metaphor, like a plant with deep roots in the grounds. And then grounded, uh, that word grounded was actually an architectural term. It, it was the foundation, the base of a house. Why would Paul use these two visuals, roots in the ground, foundation of a house? It's because he doesn't want you living your life rootless, restless, insecure, unaware of whether or not you have God's love. He wants you to live as someone with roots deep in the ground in this love. And if you live unsure if God loves you, and I mean, I, I don't mean uh, unaware, unable to write it out in a sentence. I mean functionally insecure about whether or not God loves you. You're going to search for love somewhere. We are a people born searching for love. If you don't live securely, 
confidently from the love of Christ for you. You are going to search for love somewhere. It's why you cannot run out of Netflix shows about finding love. It's why you cannot run out of movies and music about being loved. So I'm an Enneagram 3. If you're unfamiliar, the Enneagram is a, is a personality profile, and 3, that's the achiever. The truth is that I, I have used success my entire life to get love. I still do. I still do. There, there is a song uh, written about each of these uh, personality profiles in the Enneagram, and in the song for mine, there's this line that says, these trophies aren't real love. And I remember the first time I heard it, and I just thought, why did nobody tell me? Why did nobody tell me this? If professional success equals love, if happy kids equals love, if your family's approval equals love, it's like building a house without laying a foundation first. It's like trying to stand up a tree in a hurricane that has no roots in the ground. This is not the way Paul wants you to live. I want you grounded, secure, confident in the love that Christ has for you. Because as long as success keeps coming, as long as approval or whatever you define as how you get love keeps coming, the illusion can remain. But as soon as that stops, you realize there was never a foundation under that to begin with. You have a love that is secure in Christ. It does not depend on your success or the quality of your faith. It depends on the quality of your Christ, the object of your faith. That's the security of this love. Now, the scope of this love. Pick it up in verse 17. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love the way Paul wrote this. I love the way Paul said this, that I, I want you to know the love that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know this love that you can't possibly comprehend. I want you to know a love that surpasses your ability to know this love. The scope of Jesus' love is simply incomprehensible. It is all-encompassing. And then the the, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love. This is the dimensions of the love that Jesus loves you all the way up and all the way down as deep and far and wide as it possibly could be. And listen, I, I know to a community of people who, who like to think in complex terms, who don't like a simplistic world to live in. Sometimes we need to hear a simplistic statement that the love of Jesus for you is all the way up, all the way down, as deep and far and wide as it possibly could be. You need to hear that you are loved, loved like this. One commentator said this is the matchless love. The, it cannot be matched, that there is no love in the world that could possibly match the love of Christ for you. You will search your entire life, and you will never find a love that matches this love for you. And how do we get it? How do we get this love? Well, listen to the lyrics from this song. Magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. Your cross is our redemption. Your death is our fullness of life. 
That day, how forgiveness flowed as a flood. How great, how sure his love endures forevermore. United in your resurrection, you lift us to infinite heights. Magnificent, marvelous, matchless love. There it is. Redeemed through his blood. Forgiveness flowing like a flood. His love endures forevermore, the matchless love of Christ, and then through his resurrection, lifted to infinite heights. A matchless love. And listen, you, you want to know what I, what I think is so, like you were made for this love. I was made for this love. This is what, this love. I was made for it. Part of being created in the image of God is being given a heart able and ready and willing to receive this love. You're not just loved all the way up, all the way down, as deep and far and wide as you could possibly imagine. Being created in the image of God means you were given a heart able to receive that kind of love. You were made for that kind of love, given hearts to receive an incomprehensible love in Christ, which takes us to the power of his love. Look back at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What, what does this inner being mean? Well, this is a Greek phrase that Paul used. He was writing to a, a group of people, many of them Greek speaking, culturally influenced, and he takes a phrase um, from a Greek speaking world and he brings it in. He, he only uses it a few times in the scriptures. And so what does it mean? Well, I think the, the, the best way to understand it is just kind of pull it to a modern-day phrase and parallel it to this. Think in your heart of hearts. Like when somebody says, uh, man, you've got to believe that. Do you believe that in your heart of hearts? What do they mean by that? They mean like really believe it. Like not just kind of believe it, but like deep down in your heart of hearts, at the core of who you are, do you believe this? In your heart of hearts. He's saying, I want you to know the love of Christ deep down to your core. He is not praying for the church in Ephesus to have an opinion about God's love. Having an opinion about God's love doesn't strengthen you with power to do anything. It doesn't strengthen you with power to do anything until it sinks down deep into your heart of hearts. He is not praying for an opinion. He's praying that they would know the love of Christ. Jonathan Edwards um, has a fairly well-known illustration where he says, listen, it's it's one thing to describe the taste of honey. It's a whole other thing to taste it for yourself. But Paul is not praying that, the, that, they would, that you would be able to describe the love of Christ, saying that you'd be able to taste it for yourself, that you would know what it's like when that love hits your lips. But strengthened for what? The power to do what? Well, if we asked Paul... I, I bet he would probably say a lot. But if we could keep it in the context of Ephesians, what is the book of Ephesians about? It's about people from all nations, all ethnicities, all backgrounds being reconciled into one body, into one church with one faith, to live as a people with a thousand differences, united together as one people in one church. And back in chapter 2, just a, a 
few verses before this, it, he wrote about the dividing wall of hostility being broken down in Christ. That, that all that divides humanity, all the divisions that we see on display right now, which are not hard to find, everything that divides being broken down through Christ. Listen, I, I love Sojourn. I, I love our heart for justice. I do. I love our heart to go out into the world and see the world become a better place for everyone. But I think we need to remember this, that there is no lasting healing. There is no lasting wholeness until the love of Christ gets applied to the wounds of division. And apart from the love of Christ being applied to what divides, there is no lasting, long-term healing. And so I, I want our church to keep being people who have this heartbeat for justice and seeing the world be a more just place for everyone. But I do think that our heart needs to beat a little stronger for evangelism. We need to be a little more willing and courageous when it comes to opening up our mouths and talking to our neighbors about the hope and love that's available for them in Christ. We need to be holistic in our engagements of the world. Able to go and not just do deeds flowing from the love of Christ, but open up our mouths because we've received the love of Christ and we know that our neighbors need it. I want to see us be holistic in our engagement of the world, not forsaking one for the other. So, what do we do? What do we do? What, what action items can I take from this to see this love inflamed in my heart? To see this love more richly inflamed in me so that we can be a community together holistically out there engaging, living together as one, making the world better and opening up our mouths about the love that, uh, of Christ that is been mine and is available for you. Well, again, if we asked Paul, I bet he would say a lot. But if we could just pull a couple from the text that we're looking at right now, I'd say here's two action items. Two action items. One, pray. This is a prayer from Paul. Follow his lead. Pray. Pray your heart on fire. Pray until you sense the love of Christ in such a way that it begins to melt your heart. And when you pray and you don't sense that and you don't sense it melting your heart, just keep praying. And then when you keep praying and you don't sense it, just keep praying. And then two, do so in community. Genesis said, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints with all the saints. God's love for you is something to be experienced with others. The scriptures know nothing of the isolated roaming Christian. You, you, you are, uh, there's a low likelihood that you will sense and know and experience the love of Christ for you apart from others. The love of Christ for you to, to grow deep roots in that love, to see that love become more and more the foundation that you build your life on. It happens in communities with others. It's why our parishes, these smaller groups of men, women, and children, it's why we don't do life stage parishes. Listen, we, 
we know the value of life stage friendships. We do. I think they're particularly meaningful and important in life. But our parishes are not communities built on a shared interest or a shared stage of life. They are built on a shared love of Christ. That together, people from different generations and different socioeconomic backgrounds would come together and learn to live receiving the love of Christ and to learn to live from the love of Christ, that we might grow in that and do so together because sojourn, you are loved. Hey, look at me. If you're taking notes right now, I want you to look at me. If you're at home, gathering online, I want you to look at me. You are loved. The God of this world sent the Apostle Paul to record a prayer to remind you that you are loved. You, you don't have to achieve anything to get that love. You don't have to have anyone's approval to get that love. You are loved. You are loved. And sometimes we need to hear a simple and clear message cut through the white noise of life to be reminded that in Christ you are loved. No matter how big your bank account or how small your bank account, you are loved. No matter what your boss or your parents or your kids think of you, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. The best marriage will not give you the love that you are after. All the success in the world will not give you the love that you are after. You were made for a love that is so much more than that, a love that you can only get to when you've been redeemed in Christ. And as someone redeemed in Christ, it's the love that you have and the love that you are made to live from. And so what kind of presence should we have with one another and for our neighbors? A loving presence. A loving presence. The gospel creates a community of love, and we should be as generous with our love for one another and others as Christ was with his love for us. No less. No less. The road to renewal in the world is a road paved with love. Love. That's why Jesus summarized the law, love God, love neighbor. And if you are a non-Christian, to the non-Christian here or watching at home, you are made for this kind of love. You were created for this love. You exist for it, and so come on into the church. Come on into the church. Inside the church is where the love of God for us goes from something we have an opinion about to something that we taste. And the taste of honey is bitter compared to the taste of the love of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son into the world. The only reason we are able to have this conversation right now is because you did that. And because he came, he lived, he died on a cross, displaying that cannot be matched love for us. And then resurrected so that we could have it. Help us to be a people who live from that love, who actually 
like sense it, where it melts our hearts. Help us to pray until that happens. And help us to do that with one another. We want so deeply to have this rich, robust, Christ-honoring, Christ-fueled love with one another and for our world. Help us. We need your mercy and your grace and your sustaining power. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.